is the Thursday Night Podcast. Your source for news, analysis, and all things Georgia State sports. Because every day is Thursday. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Thursday Night Podcast. My name is Taylor. I'm joined by David and Brady. We're going to be breaking down today Georgia State's 28-21 win over Army this past Saturday. Gentlemen, how are we feeling? Feeling good. Um, It was a fun, albeit a little bit weirdly paced football game. Um, Now, of course, I actually watched it while I was at a wedding. Um, Not the whole game, um, but I was kind of following on my phone. And, you know, it seemed like even without watching the actual game happen, that Army just had the ball for so long. And looking at this time of possession, uh, Army held the ball for almost 40 minutes of clock time, which is just absurd. Just absurd. Um, but it was it was awesome to see that the Panthers, you know, uh, capitalized on a couple turnovers, you know, and they were very efficient with their drives, it looked like. So Panthers, Panthers are rolling right now. Yeah, I just want to shout out in general that it was a good win for Georgia State. I mean, five and two and everything and a good name opponent to beat. But it was also just a good college football game. I just want to say um, back and forth, uh, never got away from more than one possession. Um down to the end, down to the wire, team had to get a stop at the end to win it. Just, you know, it's what college football is about with the differing styles and everything. It just felt like down the stretch, Georgia State did everything they needed to do to win. And that's something that if you've read my upon further reviews and heard me on the pod before, it's been a real like sticking point for me of like this team needs to do this in order to really reach their potential. And they closed out on both sides of the ball. Um Offense only really had two possessions in the second half. Speaking to David's point about the pace of the game is they didn't have many chances in the second half. They got the maximum out of both. They got 14 points out of their two possessions and they got the interception on the last drive of the game for army to clinch the game away. And that's the closeout that you need to do in college football to be a winning team. I was a little confused. I'll say about those last couple of drives for army. Um, It seemed very apparent that they, we're going to have to throw the ball based on their pace and just kind of how the they weren't really doing much. And then they decided to throw the ball. And I mean, shout out to Quavion White for making such a ridiculous play on the ball for the interception. But um, I'll say I was a little puzzled by some of the play calling. Yeah, there were a couple times for me with Army, um, you know, because we're the Army Night podcast. Um <laughs> They were, it was a third and five. They were up 21 20 just into the fourth quarter. And they'd been doing the thing all game that triple option teams do. They run it three downs. It's fourth and manageable. They go forward because they trust their short distance. This time, third and five, up one. Scoring a touchdown on this drive makes it eight point game. So it's still one possession, but it's, it's, because of the missed point from Brandon Wright the previous drive, it puts Georgia State in a tricky position. So I would just say keep doing what you were doing to be in the lead at this place at this time. And Army passed, incomplete pass, and then it's fourth and five. And you don't really have the same let's just run our offense on this fourth and down and short play in your own side of the territory on your own side of the field and they punted and Georgia state scored in the next drive and took the lead for good. And it just seemed like a really weird decision for a team. It just, when you have a formula that you build your team around and you differ from it, it's not going to go the way you want it to. And it's going to be, you know, why do we go away from what works? 
And to the other point, you're talking about the last drive. They just milked that clock to all. Oh. They they started the drive near seven minutes left, and they got down in Georgia State territory. They were moving the ball. They were getting fourth down conversions. But just watching it, it never really felt like it was the team with the threat to get the end zone. It just felt like they were moving the ball, getting the first downs, and they got close. They got to the 28, um, but the time got to the point where it was close to working against them because there was a minute left. They had all three timeouts, but it was still going to be a, a place where they didn't necessarily need to get to that point. They could have, I don't know. I think that the problem for them is they, they couldn't get any real big plays going against the Georgia state defense. And that was what they might've been banking on late is finding that home run play. Yeah. And, you know, speaking to the defense, you know, they've been good for two weeks straight now and it's, it's really nice to see, um, the defense step up and I, I feel personally a little scared because obviously I went to the Western Michigan game. Um, so I don't know necessarily what I want to say about the defense, but it's nice to see that they were good two straight weeks. You know, that momentum helps and, you know, hopefully they can build on that from here because I mean, yes, you'll look at the box score and, you know, army had 343 total yards, but if you really watch that game, you can honestly see that, the defense did pretty well, you know, got turnovers, the interception, they forced a, a ridiculous fumble. Shout out Victor Haywood for that strip, um, you know, and then Remy just re- just recovered the fumble because it was just right there. And, you know, it's nice to see a defense that's getting turnovers, you know, getting negative plays and doing really what they can to stop other teams offenses. Ultimately, what it comes down to is Georgia State is five and two. And I think that. If you had told us at the beginning of the year that we'd be in this position, I'd say this is pretty much our best case scenario. Obviously, you'd like to get it done against Texas State. We can sit here and reminisce about what could have been, but this team has done what it needs to do to put themselves in a position to have everything they wanted to accomplish coming into the season right in front of them. I mean, we're going to get into the Troy talk here in a minute, but you have a chance to go out and secure bowl eligibility at home in October. I mean, that's just unheard of for Georgia State football. So I don't think we can say enough about how crucial this win was for us to be able to set us up for success moving on through the rest of the season. Yeah. I mean, yeah, what five chances to get that sixth win for bowl eligibility. Like that's, that's very impressive for a Panthers team, you know, especially one, you know, people who are a little hesitant to crown much going into the season, you know, um, that out great coaching job, great job by the players for executing, you know, they done good. So let's get into that Troy talk a little bit. So like I mentioned, this is a chance for Georgia State to become bowl eligible at home in front of their home crowd in October. I mean, there's something definitely to be said about getting this done against a team that's been very prominent in the Sun Belt in recent years. I mean, they've taken a bit of a step back this season, but it's still Troy. I mean, it's not going to be a cakewalk. What are we how are we feeling? Yeah, it's not only a team that's kind of got some gravitas in the Sun Belt. They've also had your number as Georgia State. Uh, they're five and one all time against Georgia State. Um, it's a team that I feel like I, I go back to this a couple of times. It's a team I don't know a ton of what to make of just because they've had inconsistent results on defense. Uh, the one thing for sure is they pass it a lot. And the last big passing team Georgia State faced with Arkansas State and Arkansas State kind of did what they wanted in the passing game from about the second quarter on. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see what lessons were learned from that game. I think it'll help for Georgia State that Quavian White is 
healthy and has played good the last two games, it feels like he's getting comfortable. Uh, I guess it, it, we, we won't know 100% what was up, but something was up and he wasn't 100%. Uh, and it seems closer to 100% now. And it, I'm wondering how much of an impact that will have because the defensive backs are going to have to show up. Uh, Arkansas State gashed you for some really big plays in the past game. And you got to avoid that, um, obviously. I mean, you, you have to avoid that. And Troy is going to be looking early and often to get stuff going in the past game. Yeah, this will definitely be a test for Georgia State. Um, you know, on paper, I do think the Panthers are a better team. They've played better. Um, you know, Troy this year anyway is definitely more of a Sunbelt name instead of, you know, a Sunbelt team that I think is really has really been able to dominate some of the teams that they've played, you know, poor South Alabama, but South Alabama held them close for a little bit. I think this game is going to come down to Georgia state's ability to decide their offensive game plan and execute it perfectly. If there is another player in the running Sunbelt player of the year, it's Caleb Barker. Um, He is having a phenomenal season um, quarterback for Troy. Uh, Just some of his stats. He's got 1600 yards and 16 touchdowns, um, which is, you know, kind of absurd. And, you know, this isn't a team that struggles to run the ball either. You know, they're not as prolific as Georgia state is, um, but also Georgia state's like 13th in the nation. So, you know, I think Georgia state's going to, Definitely need to take care of the ball and make sure that this is one of those games where going up against the defense that is great against the run, they're still able to run the ball. Yeah, I'm going to be interested to see what the game plan is, because it seems like you look at the numbers and you'd say this might be a week where we accentuate the pass game. And that's kind of been the MO of Brad Glenn this year is it seems like that the game plan has been catered to a certain side of the ball. Uh, The other's team. I could also see the bulletin board saying 93.3 yards allowed rushing. Go double that. Now, I could see them making a point of saying this team is really good at stopping the run, but we're a really good running team. So go ram it down their throats and go for it that way. I could I, I don't know that I would personally if it was me, but it's not my you know, I'm not paid the big bucks for that. Troy is allowing 287 passing yards per game, really 288 rounding up. So. For my money, I think it might look similar to this past game where Georgia State was able to run the ball. They didn't shy away from it at all, but the success they found was in the passing game, and they went to it, and especially early, were taking some shots in single coverage. And that's just my feeling, but it'll be interesting to see. It wouldn't shock me if we see a situation where Georgia State is going to look to run the ball and say, this is what we do, stop us. Yeah, that's true. Um, you know, and it'll be it also will be something to note is how Georgia State responds um without Ed Kearney. Um that definitely is a huge loss for the Panther defense that we will start to see um in full game action this week. Um Kearney, of course, uh announced on Monday that he tore his ACL and is out for the season which obviously it's never fun to lose a captain, but, you know, a guy who was just playing out of his mind for the Panthers defense, um, you know, just really stinks for him and the team, obviously. 
Yeah, that's certainly rough, especially, you know, considering he's a senior going out like that in his in his last year. It's, it's really tough to see. So obviously all of us are sending, you know, our thoughts and our best wishes to Ed as he starts his recovery. And he's certainly going to be missed, but it's kind of just that next man up mentality. And that's that's what's going to be asked of this defense. And it's going to be kind of telling um, seeing how they respond in the face of, you know, losing a centerpiece of your, you know, defensive identity like that. So that's definitely something I'm going to be looking forward to, especially considering that Ed as, you know, a central part of that linebacking core was kind of directing traffic a lot and was a really vocal part of that defense, both on the field and in the locker room. Um, so again, it's, I mean, it's, it's, it's going to be interesting to see how Georgia state responds to this kind of adversity, especially against a tough opponent like Troy. Yeah, um, echoing everything you guys said, uh, all that said, we are kind of an analysis squad. So we we have to look at just the numbers of it, look at that side of it. And everything that you mentioned just there about the directing traffic and all is one part to watch because when you lose your captain, your guy in the inside linebacker position who's kind of running things in that way, that could be a place where there's pitfalls. And then if you just look at the football side of it, taking out the leadership aspects it's going to be a redshirt freshman in his first start in Zach Dixon. We presume that's who took over for him last game. So we presume he's going to come in and start. And he did a good job. He acquitted himself really well being thrown into the fire against, you know, the triple option attack. The one thing and Coach Shelley pointed this out on his media call this week is that it was a good first test for him because it wasn't going to be a lot of reading because it was the option and he had everything in front of them with what they were doing with the dive. Um, This week's going to be different. And and you know that Troy knows that there is a first game starter at linebacker. So they're going to try and throw some stuff to confuse him. And it's going to be another test for him. But at this point, you've lost Ed Kearney and it's unfortunate and it's a big leader, but you're still going to need production from that inside linebacker position. So next man up, we got to see what Zach's got. And I'm going to be looking to see Trajan Stevens McQueen, key of the 20 tackles against Army. He sees this as a okay. This is my defense now, and he if we see him take some of the mantle, to some of the responsibility that Ed is having to abdicate. Yeah, real quick before we move on to do anything else, we just need to circle back and give some props to my guy Trajan Stevens McQueen. 20 tackles in a game. I mean, granted, it's you know it's a triple option team, so there's going to be more options for guys in that second level to be able to get into the play and make those kind of tackles. But in any situation, no matter who your opponent is, 20 tackles is insane. So big props to a amazing performance um, from Trajan Stevens McQueen against Army last week. Well-deserving of the Sunbelt Defensive Player of the Week honors he got. Absolutely. Definitely. Uh, but I do want to ask a question about the defense um, just quickly. Do you think that they're going to change the scheme at all because of this? Or do you think it's still going to stay that kind of three, four um, hybrid ish that we've seen going since the beginning of the season? Just so we're clear before moving on, is this a bit or are we actually asking? Because <laughs> no, it was I, a bit earlier in the this, in this season when we were talking about this. I, no, I think no, he's no, not, not changing like the the big picture scheme, but you know, tinkering around the edges. Yeah, that, that, that's like, why I asked. Take that then. <clears throat> I would say I don't think much is going to change. I think that the way that the scheme is tailored, it's kind of tailored to give volume to the inside linebackers, kind of funnel stuff inside, and they're 
I don't think that they're going to ask a lot less of Zach that they were asking of Ed. The one thing that I'll be interested to see is he's a little, he's about, according to the official listings, 10 pounds lighter uh, than Ed. I wonder if his speed is going to be a thing, if they're going to try and utilize that. Maybe if he's comfortable blitzing, throw him some linebacker blitzes, see, get him. I know at the Army game, they started shooting some gaps heavily uh, against the triple option. And it cost them on a big run, but it was still cool to see a little bit of aggression from a defense that's largely been sit and wait. Um, I think they might see what he's comfortable with and, and give him some looks with what he's comfortable with because you want to give the guy the best opportunity to succeed. But I think that he's going to basically be doing the same role, the same part of the wider three, four defense that Ed Kearney was performing. I don't think that they can really change much Fair, fair. So before we move on to the listener question portion of the podcast, I do want to pose a question to the two of you that I've been thinking about over the past few days since the army game. What were your takeaways seeing Georgia state's defense this year perform against the triple option with regards to how that influences your thoughts and feelings on Georgia Southern's or the Georgia state, Georgia Southern matchup this year. I mean, in years past and this year through the army game, Georgia state under Nate Fuquay hasn't really been exposed by the option scheme. Um, so I, I don't really worry about it, especially because not intentionally rival shading here, but I just don't think Southern's offense is that good. I think army's offense is better and more the traditional triple option look than what Southern runs. So I think one, it only tells you so much because Southern does run a slightly different scheme, but I don't know. I mean, if the defense has a bad day against Southern's offense, I'd be worried about the result just because I don't think that Southern's offense should have much success because they just don't generally have a lot of success this year. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think Georgia State has always played well against the option, like Brady said. Um, and obviously, football games aren't really played on paper. In fact, they're none of them are played on paper. Can confirm. Um, <laughs> Ex- astute analysis, David. <laughs> you know, ESPN's going to hire me very soon. Um, I, I just don't know that Southern offense scares me at all. You know, it's it's not even that they're unwilling to pass. It's just they. They just they're not good at it, even when they do it. Um, and it's you know I I think a lot of what we saw last year with them um, was just their offense getting short fields because they had a ridiculous turnover machine on defense. And you know you're not seeing the same offense this year. And I mean this is a bad team on third down. Like and it, I I think uh, Georgia State has moved up to the forty three percent range. Uh, for opponents, third down conversion rate, um, which is, I mean, it's not, it's by no means terrible. It's good. When you pair it with the 50% conversion that you're getting on offense. Yeah, that that certainly is better. Um, yeah, Georgia State is actually tied for eighth in the country in uh, third down percentage conversion on offense at an even 50%. And they're holding at, get it here, 43.2% uh, opponent conversions on third down. You yeah. know, 
Exactly. And but that's the same cannot be said for the Southern team. You know, just just looking at their last two games, they played Coastal Carolina and uh, South Alabama. They were four of 12 against Coastal and then five of 18 against South Alabama. And those are not numbers that you want from a team that loves those short down and distance type, you know, third down. So I personally think that Georgia State's defense is probably going to be fine and not the reason that they would lose that game. Uh, I would just end it with this. I am positive Georgia State got considerably better. I do not think Georgia Southern got better this year, and there's a real argument that they got worse. And so, I don't know. We'll see. That game is so far away that many variables can change, uh, but I definitely wouldn't be... The defense is the side of the ball that you would worry about this year just because how scintillating the offense has been, but I wouldn't necessarily worry about the defense in that game. So we posed on Facebook and Twitter, social media accounts, asking for any listeners and fans of the show to pose us questions to answer in this week's podcast. So we're going to dive into a couple of these. So Mike from Marietta asks, who would you guys like to see Georgia State scheduled to play out of conference on the road in the near future? So, first of all, Central Time Zone is the furthest west you're going to go. No scheduling anyone out past Central, but definitely try and keep it in the west. Sorry. Definitely try and keep it in the eastern time zone, not the western time zone. This is blatant disrespect Um, for my Rainbow Warriors, Brady. Thank you very much for ruining my dream. (laughs) No, two things. I don't want to get too distracted, but that would be a fun trip. And if you play Hawaii, you get a 13th game. So that's interesting. Um, but no. Uh, selfishly, I grew up a Virginia Tech fan. Um, it'd be cool to see Georgia State go up to Virginia Tech. It's kind of a travel, um, but it's a good prestige opponent. It's a nice road game. They probably pay us some money. Um, so I guess selfishly, I would just put that one in. But maybe in a less Brady specific answer, you know, Georgia. My answer is going to be a little close to where I am now. Um, I really want Georgia state to go to the big house. Um, I think that Georgia state in Ann Arbor would be really, really cool. Go play Michigan um, because that would be a lot of fun. Um, Also, I think Georgia state, um, they definitely have no relation to the big 10, but it'd be kind of cool to see, you know, a Southern team hang out up North a little bit in those early out of conference scheduling time games. So why not? I was going to say that Georgia state has scheduled and played Wisconsin on the roads in what? 2015, um, 16. And if my memory serves, it was at least semi-competitive for way longer in the game than uh, Wisconsin would have liked. Oh yeah. Georgia state led in that game. And I'm still mad that coach didn't. Yeah. Yeah. I'm still mad that coach didn't go for it on that fourth down, but we don't have to talk about that. Yeah. I was, my joke was, uh, I'm surprised. I thought you were leading onto team near me, Northwestern. (laughs) All, all David Rhodes lead to Northwestern as far as college football goes. Apparently they're so bad this year. I wanted to go to a game. (laughs) They're so bad. So as far as my take on this question goes, I'm kind of torn because on one hand, obviously, you know, your Alabama's and your your big power five schools that are just for a payday. Obviously, that serves more purpose than just scheduling a game like there there is extra like for a, an athletic program 
in the space that Georgia State operates in, that that payday we get from playing those money games is crucial for, you know, all the other stuff that they do with that money. So on one hand, there's the aspect of, yeah, I want to go play the Michigans. I want to play, you know, the the big power five schools that it's going to be cool experience to get to go into these historic stadiums and play against kind of these, you know, blue blood football programs. But on the other side, thinking about games that we could schedule where it would be competitive, not necessarily from saying that Georgia State couldn't go out and shock the world, but scheduling literally in another it, it, right, it already happened. I, I mean I no one there. gave Georgia State a chance to to beat Tennessee. But there is something to be said, I think, about scheduling somebody else in the American for, you know, a potential uh future in conference matchup preview. Uh but all conference realignment jokes aside, I think that I think UCF would be my pick. It's within reasonable traveling distance. It's a team that's had a lot of success in recent years. And it's something that I personally, as a fan of Georgia State, trying to take out the, you know, journalistic aspect or, you know, editorial or whatever. But just as a fan, I'd like to see the Panthers play in Orlando. Be fun to play national champions. Hey, we don't need another I-75 rivalry. Kennesaw State is enough. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Moving on. At Extra Brad asks from Twitter, between Arkansas State, Tennessee, and Army, how would you guys rank the biggest three wins for this season so far? And out of the remaining huge games, App State, Georgia Southern, and a potential bowl game, which is pointing to be very likely at this point, which do you want to win the most? So let's start with the ranking the wins we've already gotten this season between Arkansas State, Tennessee, and Army. So the rankings of how good the teams are might literally be the reverse of this, but Tennessee's number one, Army, Arkansas State. I mean, Tennessee is the worst of those three teams, I think, but I mean, you can't talk enough about the the meaning of what that win is. Uh, so for me, it's a no contest. I mean, no one's going to talk about how good this Tennessee team is in a year, let alone 20, but it's that's maybe part of the point is in 20 years, you can look back and say, look, that Georgia State program beat Tennessee I'll say in terms of ranking importance obviously Tennessee is number one I mean that's kind of like full stop it's that's not even worth debating at this point but I don't think we can understate how important this army win was for Georgia State especially I mean weather really held out what I feel like could have been one of the biggest crowds we've ever seen at Georgia State Stadium army obviously travels well I mean they have fans literally in all quarters of the globe um but I do think that there is certain a certain aspect of people know Army. And I mean, obviously, people know Tennessee as well. But Army is like a household name. That's a name of that's a name that's going to turn heads when people talk about this Georgia State team. I would say in the same vein and in, in the same conversation of turning heads, beating Tennessee. I think that Tennessee's struggles throughout the year have been very publicized um, but Army is is a, a name that people are going to be, wow, Georgia State beat Army. I mean, even just in the last three, four days since the game, I've had people come up to me and boy, wow, I, re- I saw Georgia State got it done against Army this weekend. That's really cool. So obviously, Tennessee is going to be number one just by virtue of first power five win and just kind of the way it, it, that it did happen. But I don't think that we can necessarily write off um, uh, another really solid out of conference win at home for the Panthers against Army this past weekend. So let's pivot over to the second half of the question. Out of the remaining games between App State, Georgia Southern, and a potential bowl game, 
what do you want to win the most? Oof. Um, I think obviously everybody wants to win their rivalry game. Um, I think for me, it's got to be App State. Um, you know, Georgia State, as we record this, is five and two. Um, you know, they're two and one in the Belt Conference. And assuming things don't totally blow up in the next two weeks, you know, you're going to get an eight and no App State coming to a hopefully seven and two Georgia State. Um, and I think if Georgia State's goal is to win the Sun Belt, as they say that it is, you just got to go end that losing streak to App State. Georgia State's never beaten App State. And I mean, this would go well. This would make them well on their way to doing that um, and put them in a good spot to be in the Sun Belt Championship game. Um, but definitely, definitely App State is my pick. That's the one that I want. I think I'll echo yeah. that and say App State for myself as well. And just considering the goals that Georgia State had coming into this season. Obviously going out, you said winning the Sun Belt was was, you know, on the top of that list. But App State is absolutely the cream of the crop when it comes to Sun Belt teams. And in, in a broader sense, like, you know, group of five and, you know, non-power five schools, App State is ranked 21st as of recording this podcast episode. And just I think it would mean the most to this team, especially getting App State at home. That's huge. That's huge for us this year. And I think that a seven and two Georgia State entering that game, coming out and punching App State in the mouth early and getting on top, and that win would mean so much to go. It would it would just go so far to memorializing this season as I mean definitively the best season in Georgia State football history. If you go out and you upset ranked App State at home for the first time in program history, so I'll say App State as well for my for my answer. Yeah, I'm still going to say Southern. I uh, I, yeah, well, a couple of reasons. I'll, I'll be brief about it. Um, I mean, one, if you don't win both App State and Georgia Southern, then any Sunbelt Championship hopes are gone. Like, you kind of need to win both anyway. You kind of need to win out at this point to go to the championship game. So if you're assuming one of them has to be a loss, then... I hear your points about upstate, but you have a chance to go be three and zero on the road against your rival who talked the most amount of trash when you were in the doldrums and you can have that feather in your cap and possibly keep your rival from going to a bowl game if it gets to that point. Uh, so, you know, I, I am purely going based on that side of it. Um, there definitely is absolutely something to be said about remaining unbeaten in Paulson Stadium. And I think this is a a team that a Georgia State team that has absolutely I think this is a Georgia State team that has it absolutely within their power to you know maintain that streak. So again, these kind of questions are are tough because obviously we want to win all three of these games. Um but I think keeping it within the realm of non-hypothetical um right now just keeping focus on the games that we actually do have scheduled as of now. It's going to be interesting come uh, come rivalry week. All right. Oh. Finally, Sam from Facebook asks, how can we look forward to life after Dan Ellington at the quarterback position? A fun, fun spring of a quarterback competition. I this is like one of those things you say it's too early to talk about, but it's in like that realm of too early to talk about that. You can just go ahead and start talking about it a little bit. I mean, it is kind of the elephant in the room. Dan is a big reason why the team is having success this year. And it has followed a pattern of senior quarterbacks 
having their second year, taking the team to more success. And then the team has an off year after that. And so I don't know that one, it matters a ton. I will say if you bring in another junior college transfer or whatever, if the team wins, you're not really going to care, but I do get the idea that you want to develop quarterbacks and start to get that factory going. Um, what I would say is this is the first year I really think that there's kind of a sea change in the formula because in past years, it's been quarterback has graduated as a senior. There isn't really that heir apparent there who's ready to go. And so you go get a guy who the offensive coordinator can work with and you cobble it together, hope they get it figured out at least by the second year they're here. But this year we're going to have at least two freshmen or sophomore. We'll see how many more games Cornelius Brown plays. It will be, really nice for the program if he can burn his red shirt year this year and stay a freshman next year so you're gonna have two freshmen one of whom will have gone through a year and a half in the system and another one i don't exactly know when the vanderbilt transfer uh jabril muhammad came in but he will have gone through at least over a year of practice and started to learn the system and then there's a current committed quarterback in high school who it sounds like is interested in rolling early, early in January. So they're all going to be freshmen possibly, but you might have a situation where you have three quarterbacks who are know the system, who are getting comfortable in the system. And so I don't know that you can tell me for sure that whatever person you bring in is going to have a leg up on them because they're going to be the ones that know the system already. I think it's possible. We see a Juco come in. It's possible. We see a grad transfer come in just to have someone who's, played a snap at the FBS level without Dan. But it really wouldn't shock me if this isn't the same thing, because I think that there's real options on the team in 2020. That was really good. Well answer. said. I don't want to add anything to it. I literally have nothing to add other than what Brady <laughs> just said. So, all right, well, that's going to do it for this week's episode of the Thursday night podcast. Thank you very much for listening. As always, make sure you are tuned in to all of our social media, Facebook, Twitter, our newly formed Instagram, all that fun stuff to make sure you don't miss any of the exciting Georgia State content to come in the next few weeks. We will be at the uh, Troy game this Saturday, so be sure to say hi if you see us. And let us know if you have questions for the next podcast. We'll start taking questions uh, usually at the beginning of the week, and we put out a Facebook post and Twitter post as well to collect questions like that. So if you have something you want answered on the show, let us know. Other than but that, we take thanks shouts for listening. at person. Like if you, we do if take you shouts, recognize yeah, us, and you're like, "Hey, I have a question for the pod." If I'm not like eating or something, I'll, I'll listen. All right. Well, thanks again for listening. Hope you guys have a great week, and let's go Panthers.